I am here today with Nick Grossman, an organizer with Bedrooms Are For People, a ballot initiative that was originally looking to get onto this November's ballot, but after incorrect guidance from Boulder City Council and being dismissed by the Colorado Supreme Court, um, the campaign has definitely taken a turn. Uh, Would you agree, Nick? accurate yes um so i'm sorry to hear about the dismissal um after the original report that they would uh hear your appeal um but just when you were preparing to hear for it to be heard by the colorado supreme court kind of how did you prepare for that well we prepared for what we believed were one of two possible outcomes since the Colorado Supreme Court had already publicly stated that they would review the case. We assumed that they could either pass a ruling uh, in our favor or pass a ruling upholding the district court's previous ruling. Uh, Unfortunately, they did neither of those things and instead issued a three-sentence opinion basically saying they are not going to issue an opinion on this matter, uh, which in effect uh, upholds the the previous decision by the district court. I am very sorry to hear about the dismissal once again. Um, how originally, how did you come to the decision to take this to the Supreme Court of Colorado? Um, at what point did you decide that this was a course of action that you had wanted to take? Mm -hmm. Uh, it was certainly never something any of our volunteer organizers wanted to do. Uh, you know, our intent was to follow all the rules that were provided to our grassroots campaign by city officials repeatedly throughout the winter, spring, and summer. And, you know, our intent was to run uh, a campaign that garnered enough uh, voter support to have the city council uh, be legally compelled to automatically place the measure on the ballot. Now, after they revised their rules, a 5-4 majority of city council unfortunately voted to change their interpretation of their own election laws. Uh, They made that vote on July 21st uh, and retroactively changed the signature threshold and the signature due date. So... After that decision was made, unfortunately, our only remaining recourse for action, if we wanted to give Boulder voters the opportunity to decide on this in the November 2020 election, was to pursue legal action. And after speaking with some lawyers, uh, they agreed that we had a solid case to move forward with. So with the lawyers, when you spoke to them, what was kind of the course of action that you would want to pursue? What were kind of the grounds that you had wanted to um, make the lawsuit on when you chose to take this path of action? Mm-hmm. So essentially the grounds were that uh, 
members of the community, the general public, have a reasonable expectation to uh, expect that the city knows its own laws, uh, particularly with core functions related to direct democracy, such as this, and that because the city knows its own laws, the directions that they provide to people in the community are accurate. Uh, the city has maintained both in a court hearing now at the district court and in other public communications that they do not agree with that assertion um, and that it's actually on citizens to decipher uh, the complex interplay between city and state laws for themselves. So with your experience discussing and kind of going through the process of the Colorado Supreme Court, kind of how was it initially um, kind of trying to make the case to the Supreme Court to um, originally get them to hear you out prior to the dismissal? Um, what was that experience kind of like? Uh, so it was essentially our, our, we spoke with the lawyers and they, they continued to believe that we had a strong legal case and we believed we did as well. Um, so we, and the district court judge, uh, from what we could tell, basically wanted the, uh, wanted the Supreme Court to rule on this matter of law because both parties had agreed on the facts for the district court hearing. And he said that, um, you know, it was basically it was for a higher legal authority than him to determine. And he knew full well that one one of the parties would appeal to the Supreme Court regardless of how he ruled. So after we filed that appeal, um, the day after the appeal was filed, the, the Colorado Supreme Court agreed to hear it, which is a very quick turnaround, uh, which we understood, recognized both the importance of this issue and the urgency to get it, you know, this decided before the ballots start being printed and mailed to Boulder voters this fall. Um, so we were encouraged by the fact that within 24 hours of submitting the appeal, the Colorado Supreme Court publicly announced that, you know, they would hear that case. Um, after that, um, the city and another intervening party of uh, four Boulder homeowners, uh, dis they filed their their own brief with the court in response to the appeal and then our lawyers filed a response to their response and then we waited a few days and uh, then last Friday the announcement from the court that they would not make a ruling in either direction uh, came out um, so yeah it, uh, that's kind of how it went down so since we last spoke, uh, there's definitely been a lot of legal work and kind of legal um, processing. With that, how has your campaign and the motives of the initiative, not the motives, the um, how has kind of the inner workings of the initiative changed over time as you went through these legal processes? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, we have a volunteer team that we've 
uh, assembled and continue to have volunteers, um, you know, wanting to join our cause as recently as today. Um, and, you know, rather than focusing on communicating with Boulder voters about, you know, the merits of our ballot initiative, we unfortunately had to divert quite a bit of uh, time and energy, as well as a lot of money that people had generously donated to the campaign. We had to reallocate all the energy, time, resources, money to, uh, you know, to trying to win this uh, this court case. Um, so again, this wasn't something any of us ever expected to need to do um, after following what we understood from the city to be the letter of the law. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, that's what we felt would be the best way to give Boulder voters the opportunity to vote on this important measure this fall since uh, at least five city council members did not uh, want to allow that. Um, and with your volunteers, what has it been like for them um, through the process of the going through these legal processes? I know you had mentioned a little while ago that um, you, you said that your volunteers hadn't wanted to go down the path of the Colorado Supreme Court, correct? Well, we had not wanted to go down the, the path of um, a lawsuit specifically. Once the district court did not rule in our favor, then we did want to appeal that decision to the Supreme Court because we believed that that higher legal authority has the ability to render justice in this case where there has been gross injustice so far. Um, so we were, you know, reluctant to, you know, do the, the lawsuit, uh, but the city councils, uh, on July 21st forced our hand. And then after the initial district court ruling, then we were, uh, you know, our, our best course of action after that was to appeal the decision to the Colorado Supreme Court. So... Um, would you say that they've been disappointed? What has their kind of reaction been like since the dismissal? Um, yeah, uh, again, you know, we, we figured they w we were under the impression that the Colorado Supreme Court had already accepted our case uh, based on them saying that. And then they, uh, we were expecting that they would either rule in our favor or not. We were not expecting that they wouldn't rule at all. Uh, so that, you know, people were surprised and disappointed, um, but it, does, it in no way has deterred any of our volunteers' commitment to see these discriminatory housing occupancy limits ended in our community. So uh, if anything, you know, all these obstacles and all the hoops and all the barriers that this team of volunteers has had to jump through has just... Uh, strengthened our resolve to overturn Boulder's discriminatory occupancy limits. So I read some of the news surrounding the dismissal from the Daily Camera, and um, it mentioned that Bedrooms Are For People did not want to decide on pursuing a future ballot measure until the city clarifies its requirements. So um, what specific requirements do you want them to clarify? Is it as we mentioned earlier, it's um, a lot of the uh, kind of like dates and timelines for getting initiatives and ballot signatures in. Yep, 
that's correct. Uh, we feel that this, you know, um, maintaining elections and facilitating the constitutionally granted process of direct democracy is a core duty of our municipal government, and we believe that this should be one of their top priorities in the coming months here before uh, 2021 uh, to clarify and legally codify what the the signature thresholds are, what the due dates are, what is and is not a special election. Uh, those are definitely some of the things we'd like to see City Council clarify this year. And we believe that the broader community, whether or not they support our measure, would like clarity on these as well, because clearly the city uh, officials currently do not know their own laws uh, as recently as August 2020, where the uh, city attorney issued a memo, uh, I believe it was August 16th or 18th, at, uh, asking the city council to make a decision about this. Uh, unfortunately, they did not make a decision about any of the three possible legal interpretations that he presented. Uh, so they effectively kicked the can down the road on that decision, and we would very much like them to uh, reconsider that and make a you know a prompt action in 2020 to clarify the rules so that our community can participate in direct democracy in 2021. Now, um, would is there any other kind of action you want to take right now um, following the dismissal of the Colorado Supreme Court, or um, would you say that? kind of for right now, um, the campaign is on hold? Or would you give another response to kind of the status of the campaign and initiative right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're, we're celebrating, uh, you know, a great deal of success in terms of building a really strong campaign team of volunteers from all different walks of life in Boulder and, um we are proud of you know what we did accomplish, even though uh, the ballot was uh, it, we failed to get on the ballot this year. Um, we're confident we'll be able to in 2021 once the city has clarified its rules, and uh, we are excited about the next steps moving forward. Uh, to base, we've you know again built a really strong team and. In terms of next steps, it's uh, basically preparing for uh, a broader community discussion about this. So City Council has uh, publicly committed to a dis- beginning a discussion about occupancy limits uh, on September 15th at their scheduled meeting that evening. We'll see what that means. Uh, we're uh, based on, you know, 20 plus years of uh, public processes around this. We're not confident that uh, the city council's public process system or working groups that they will selectively appoint will actually meaningfully address the issue of home occupancy limits in Boulder. But we are certainly going to encourage them to take some immediate actions 
starting now. So that's kind of the main focus right now. Uh, we had several speakers at the city council meeting last night on September 1st, uh, encouraging the city council to place uh, a moratorium on evictions uh, based on violations of home occupancy laws. So, for example, if uh, a group of people was currently exceeding the occupancy limit, the city would not would agree not to enforce that at least until they have either put forward a credible solution or have uh, or voters have voted on yes on our measure in 2021 in order to overturn those occupancy limits so the most immediate thing where our volunteers are asking of our elected officials and of community members is to demonstrate all of our support for uh, basically as an interim solution, not enforcing occupancy limits, even if we can't legally overturn them until a later date. Would you say that you've maintained some of that same momentum that you had um, as you were um, going through the legal processes of uh, the initiative? Would you say that your volunteers and movements still have um, some of that same momentum? Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, we have this really capable team, uh, and we are uh, more committed than ever to seeing this through. Uh, you know, this is still an issue that impacts thousands of people uh, throughout Boulder and makes their daily lives and finances more challenging. Um we believe that you know these are important personal freedoms that all people are should have access to in our community to, to decide who they want to live with in a private home and uh yeah we are more committed than ever to seeing this through you know we knew from the outset that uh the entrenched political elites in boulder would be opposed to what we were doing we just didn't fully understand, uh, you know, what sort of things they were willing to do in order to prevent Boulder voters from, uh, you know, really weighing in on this important, if controversial, issue. And we believe we ran it this year in 2020 because we believe there's no better way for Boulder voters to decide controversial issues than in a year with uh, anticipated voter turnout to be among the highest, if not the highest ever for, you know, the 2020 presidential election, and then they would vote down ballot on veterans are for people. And we could once and for all determine whether or not this law that's been in place for more than 50 years actually benefits or, as we believe, severely harms our community. All right. So we discussed a little bit how the campaign evolved through the legal processes and how now how um, it's now turned to working on creating a moratorium on evictions uh, due to occupancy limits um, in the interim. You mentioned that um, that might last until 2021. So provided you get some of the clarifications that we mentioned earlier, do you think that we could see uh, bedrooms are for people on the ballots as soon as next year yes absolutely uh 
we would, again, we're committed to giving Boulder voters the opportunity to weigh in on this critically important community issue. And we believe they have a right to do so. And just because five city council members this year effectively engaged in voter suppression to prevent people from voting on this issue doesn't mean that we can't give voters that opportunity in uh, in 2021. So with a initiative in 2021, do you feel like there's any any changes you would make the second time around? Is there anything you feel you've learned or anything that you would want to just do differently, um, whether that's something to involve the deadlines or collecting signatures um, or maybe just general things about your campaign? Is there anything you'd want to change for a second uh, chance at the ballot? Uh, That's a really good question. So we are considering, you know, all possible uh, avenues of moving forward with this currently. Uh, And we definitely will exceed whatever thresholds are put before us once the city clarifies its rules. We will make sure to turn in our signatures before whatever due date they give us and we will make sure to um, exceed the signature thresholds uh, by uh, that they provide and um, yeah after they get legal clarification about their own rules we we hope we can trust those rules and trust those laws to not retroactively change um and yeah we'll uh move forward and hopefully the whole system of direct democracy will work as it's supposed to in 2021 versus the debacle of this year all right now um in our last interview we also had uh, Chelsea Castellano, another organizer in our interview, and she unfortunately is unable to join today. But while reading through some of the news around um, bedrooms are for people's legal processes, um, Chelsea was quoted in a Daily Camera article saying that bedrooms are for people will continue working to dismantle structural prejudice and bigotry to build a more free, just, and equitable community projects we are committed to beyond the struggle for 2020 ballot access. So if if this is something you feel you would want to speak on, could I, um, I want to hear a little more about how structural prejudice plays into the issue of these occupancy limits. Um, if there's anything specific, any specific examples you've seen, or any kind of um, key areas you've seen where this has been a problem, kind of who is affected and how are they affected? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a problem for our community because it regulates the, uh, the current occupancy laws regulate based on someone's identity and not on their behavior. So the current regulations are based on who you are and not what you do, which is the textbook definition of discriminatory law. And that's essentially because um, the, 
the relationships between people in a home are currently what dictate how many people are legally allowed to live in that home. Uh, whereas we believe that the number of bedrooms in a home, in other words, the, the structure of a home, should be what dig- dictates how many people can safely live there. Um, these laws are prejudiced against renters. They're uh, designed to um, discourage and um, make it more difficult for people who aren't as wealthy to live in Boulder. Um, so unfortunately, like, like some other laws, uh, this is by design intended to exclude certain types of people from having equal access to housing in Boulder. And we believe that change is long overdue and that all people deserve equal access to housing opportunities, uh, regardless of how or whether they're related to the people they live in a home with. Um, Everybody, you know, deserves a stable housing situation during their time in Boulder. And that is what we're advocating for. So, um, of course, part of the regulation is that um, if it's kind of a non-related household, um, that's where those occupancy laws really start to come in. Um, so would you say that it's would you maybe include non-married couples being discriminated against or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this this law affects negatively affects people in all different phases of life. Um, whether that's, you know, uh, a couple in their 20s or 30s or 40s who uh, are currently not married or have decided not to, you know, have a, a legal uh, marriage bond for, for personal reasons um, that, you know, as is their prerogative, like all those people should have equal access or whether it's a, um, you know, a recently widowed empty nester whose children have moved away from Boulder and who's trying to pay their ever increasing property taxes and they want to bring on some some tenants in the bottom room of their uh, or bottom level of their home and maybe those people are not related uh, we really just want to give people the autonomy and the flexibility to make their own decisions in private homes. Because currently, um, even within your own property as a pr- uh, private homeowner, you can't make the decision about whether or not to fill your bedrooms. Um, instead, you're legally mandated to keep uh some of those bedrooms empty if say you have a five bedroom house and you want to fill all five bedrooms you're not allowed to do that and we believe that's an infringement on people's civil liberties and it artificially restricts boulders already severely limited housing stock so if you don't mind me asking um what's your experience been like under the current boulder occupancy laws how how have you been affected um so uh while we were students at the university of colorado in order to uh split costs and and share living expenses we lived in over occupied 
uh, homes near the university. And, uh, you know, we did not have a personal motor vehicle at the time. So that, you know, allowed us to share some of those uh, resources as well with roommates. And it allowed us to share the costs of living within, you know, easy commuting distance of the university. Um, so that was a way in which going to a very expensive public university was more achievable for us. Um, so at that stage in our life, uh, you know, we made the decision to risk potential eviction in order to save money. And there are people in all different, uh, phases and stages of their life in Boulder, everyone from recent high school graduates to retired seniors who uh, unfortunately are living in fear of eviction because they're trying to reduce their living expenses and trying to share housing. Uh, And we just don't believe that that's a situation that anybody really wants to maintain long-term in terms of, uh, you know, not allowing people to live together uh, seems a little antiquated to us. So uh, our personal experience has been that, you know, this is a living together is an option for people who choose to do so to help share Um, and split expenses in order to make this very expensive town more attainable. So we mentioned a little bit of your experience under these occupancy laws, but are there any other stories you've heard from others who have also dealt with some consequences of these occupancy laws that have stuck with you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as we gathered more than... Uh, 7,764 signatures in support of this measure throughout the spring and summer of 2020 and over the course of living in Boulder for the last 13 years definitely heard a lot of uh, different stories and perspectives on this issue. Uh, Some of the ones that we've heard from more than a dozen different people in a dozen different homes now is that they actually Uh, roommates got married to each other or housemates married somebody they uh, would not have otherwise in order to circumvent this law and not have to live in fear of eviction or in order to be able to sign a lease uh, legally. And that's one that's really stuck with us because the idea that somebody would have to essentially fake a marriage in order to get around this terrible law tells you all you really need to know about just how this these laws just are from another time and they just don't make sense anymore. That would be the end of my questions personally, but is there anything you would like to tell those listening now Um Is there anything you'd like to leave as a last note for them? Uh, Yeah, there's so there's still plenty of opportunities to get involved with the Bedrooms Are For People campaign as we regroup and prepare to ramp up uh, in early 2021 for our next shot at giving Boulder voters the opportunity to overturn Boulder's discriminatory home occupancy limits. So we are 
still getting people who want to volunteer with us, which is great. And we would encourage anybody else who's interested uh, to join us as we kind of build and strengthen the campaign in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, there's all sorts of different volunteer roles, whether or not people are experienced uh, with you know, political organizing or local politics. Uh, none of those are prerequisites. We just uh, we have people of all different backgrounds and skill sets, and it's, it's a really amazing, supportive team to be part of. So uh, whether you're uh, you know, a high schooler or a University of Colorado student or a young professional or a family or a retiree or anything in between, uh, we have a space for you on our volunteer team, on our grassroots campaign to help end Boulder's occupancy limits. And we're grateful for all the community support we've received so far. And we're excited to help get the word out to more and more people because we're very confident that given the opportunity, the majority of Boulder voters uh, would gladly take the opportunity to overturn these laws. All right. Nick, thank you very much for talking with us today. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the thoughtful questions and thanks for your continued reporting on this. All right, thank you.